All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 128 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and I will be riding solo again this week. I'm hoping to have Chris back in studio next week, where we all know he belongs. <laughs> but uh, I figured this week uh, I'd release a shorter episode uh, just to keep the ball rolling. I wanted to branch off of uh, what I spoke about last week uh, in regards to flying. Now, last week we covered uh, the British Airways flight <laughs> flight 5390, which is an absolutely horrifying story. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please uh, go back to last week's episode and give it a listen. Anyway, I was talking about how much I absolutely despise flying, and I hadn't flown in, in God, probably about a decade. So last month, uh, uh, myself, my family, and some friends went down to Nashville, Tennessee, which is an absolutely beautiful city, I might add. But my God, the flight there was horrifying. <laughs> we were about two hours into the flight. Everything was going smooth. Then all of a sudden, we hit some turbulence. It was one of those incidences where you hear bang, and then the plane dropped like two or three feet. So like, you feel it in your stomach, like going down a roller coaster or whatnot. So it really just set the tone. And my friend Hoover, who's sitting right next to me, he's one of these guys that are completely unaffected by it. I look over, and he's fast asleep, none the wiser to what's going on. Meanwhile, I'm white-knuckling in the chair in front of me for about a half hour until this plane landed. It was an absolute nightmare. And like I said last week, I doubt I'm ever flying again. I can't imagine any scenario where I ever set foot on an airplane again. Now, however, with all that said, and I'm sure you people couldn't care less about this, but... This all leads me into tonight's episode. Like I said, I flew down to Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, when we got there, we ended up taking a tour around the city. And one of the places that they took us to after we went down Broadway, which was absolutely sick, by the way, beautiful, was St. Mary's of the Seven Sorrows Catholic Church, which is located right in the heart of downtown Nashville. And I'll tell you what, for having been founded and constructed between 1844 and 1847... For a building being this old, this thing looks in absolutely beautiful shape. So they obviously take very good care and upkeep on uh, this beautiful church there. Now, as I was on this tour, our guide brought to my attention the hauntings and the, the ghost stories surrounding St. Mary's. And uh, I, I got to thinking, my God, what a great idea for an episode. So then they gave me a little rundown on the history of it. And then I started to look into it a little bit deeper. So I was like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. So with all that said, tonight, my good people, we are headed down to Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, to discuss the bizarre paranormal activity taking place in the beautiful St. Mary of Seven Sorrows Church. Now, there's quite a few accounts of paranormal activity taking place in the church. And you know, here at BTC, we're often skeptical uh, of paranormal claims, <laughs> but there is something that is dug up in this church, <laughs> which definitely, at least in my opinion, adds to the validity of some of these claims. And we're going to get into all that <laughs> in just a bit. It's definitely an unnerving find, if if I'm understanding this correctly, as to the people finding it and then um, thereby uh, digging it up. But let's leave that on the back burner for now. So like I always say each and every week, in order to get a better understanding of what's going on here... We need to go backwards in order to go forward. So let's go back to the very beginning. Like I said, St. Mary of the Seven Sorrows Church, commonly known as St. Mary's Catholic Church, 
Construction started in 1844 and it opened its doors in 1847. The church itself was formerly known as the Cathedral of the Blessed Virgin of the Seven Sorrows. And this church itself is the oldest Catholic church in what is now the Diocese of Nashville. And now one more interesting fact, and uh, this is going to come into play later. Richard Pius Miles was the first bishop of Nashville, and he was indeed the driving force behind the construction of St. Mary's Catholic Church. So remember that name, Bishop Miles. Keep him (laughs) in the back of your head, because he's going to play a big part in our story as it unfolds. Now, like I said, I have actually been to St. Mary's just last month. In my opinion, there's nothing very eerie about the exterior of the church. However, when we did take the tour... It was a very cold night. It was pretty desolate. There was a slight drizzle in the air. Fog was kind of illuminating in the sky around us. So that all kind of added to the lure of this place. And then we had our driver explaining some of the events that had taken place there. So I actually did my due diligence this week and I went to verify some of the information. And lo and behold, he was right. St. Mary's Church was actually used as a military hospital during the Civil War, treating both Union and Confederate soldiers. You're dealing with a location that has obviously seen a lot of death, a lot of injury, a lot of sorrow, a lot of angst, anger, and whatnot. So you put all those things together and you're kind of formulating a recipe for a paranormal disaster, if you ask me. So to dig into this a little deeper, apparently there was a Catholic priest who was serving as a chaplain for the Confederate Army, was actually shot. He was rushed to the church, but died there. So now, in addition to Union Army and Confederate Army soldiers dying within the walls of this place, as well as innocent civilians, I'm assuming, now we have a priest himself having been shot, taken there, and died within St. Mary's Church. It is the spirit of this priest that many feel still haunts the church to this very day. So let's think about this for a second. We're mixing religion and war. We're mixing those two things together, we're shaking them up in a blender, and, and we're, we're, we're using this to act as a catalyst for paranormal activity. You better be careful! So let's face it, folks, we have trouble on the horizon here. So now, with the death of this priest having died within the church, there had been a number of reports from former clergymen to housekeepers and whatnot who claimed to have seen the priest and actually heard his footsteps roaming around the church itself. Now, one of her first documented sightings comes from a housekeeper in 1930. She says that she actually saw the ghost of a clergyman where he was somewhat transparent, but she could see him walking along the altar. So this housekeeper had to have balls of steel to be in there by herself. Now, hearing the backstory of this priest having died via gunshot wound, I may be inclined to believe the good housekeeper. Let's jump forward a few years to 1937. This is a very well-known documented account. And this comes from Monsignor John Morgan, the Monsignor of St. Mary's. This is a very creepy encounter. Monsignor Morgan said that in 1937, he had an encounter with the spirit. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was the same spirit that the housekeeper encountered. Therefore, I believe this must be the same clergyman that was shot and killed all those years earlier. Now, as per Monsignor Morgan's account, he said that he was awakened in the middle of the night by a pounding on his door. 
up, goes to investigate. He opens up the door. There's nothing there. He's like, all right, well, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but uh, perhaps I was just in a deep sleep and whatnot. He ends up somehow falling back asleep. But then, here's the knocking once again. But get this. The knocking was not at the door. The knocking was coming from the back of his headboard on his bed. So when he looked behind the headboard, there was nothing there. He looked all throughout the room. He could not find the source of this knocking. The fact that this thing, or this entity, whatever it may be, was that close to him, hovering right over the top of him as he slept. I mean, this thing obviously is trying to send a message and call me crazy, <laughs> but I don't think it's a friendly one. Now that I'm thinking about it, who could possibly be mad at the good Monsignor if it's not a demonic force, right? Perhaps, just perhaps, it was the spirit of someone who wants their job back as a clergyman at St. Mary's. Someone who's unable to take that position because they are no longer alive. Yes, what I'm saying is this very well could be that clergyman that was shot during the Civil War. The same clergyman that the housekeeper said she witnessed walking across the altar just a few years prior. So now I'm not saying that it's definitely the priest because remember, this was used as a hospital during the Civil War. So like I said, when you're dealing with that amount of death, those amount of casualties, the pain, the suffering from both sides, it just encompasses this huge umbrella of darkness. This spirit that's making its presence known within the walls of St. Mary's could really, truly be coming from anywhere or anyone. But now here comes the very interesting part. And I think this may turn a lot of you non-believers into believers, okay? And if not, I think it's going to at least validate some of these claims, okay? Because if you recall, I mentioned Bishop Richard Pius Miles and the fact that he was truly the driving force behind the construction of St. Mary's. So let's just go back for a little bit and examine the life and times of old Bishop Miles. Miles was actually appointed to be the first bishop of the newly erected Diocese of Nashville by Chris's twin, Pope Gregory XVI, of all people. And rightfully so, I might add, because it seems that Bishop Miles arrived in Nashville alone, and he wasn't living in a lap of luxury. He actually went and lived in a boarding house, and it was there that he got seriously ill with a fever. And remember, we're talking the 1830s, so you, you get a fever. I mean, that, that can be fatal within days. So this is no joke. Bishop Miles recovers, and for all intents and purposes, this is where he really takes off in his career. We find out that during his tenure, Bishop Miles actually ordained the first priest in Tennessee. He established a seminary and a hospital. And as I mentioned a few times now, and it was also him that was the driving force that pushed for the construction of St. Mary's Church. So he was, as you can imagine, still very involved in St. Mary's Church up until his death which took place on February 21st of 1860. Now, you may be thinking, what role could Bishop Miles be playing when related to the paranormal activity surrounding St. Mary's Church? Did he have a hard time letting go? Could he not stop himself from coming back or leaving the church? Well, if you're thinking along those lines, my good people, 
you're correct. Because as I was looking into this, I found out that, and again, the facts here are a little bit clouded because I'm seeing documented dates between 1969 and 1972. And you may be thinking, <laughs> you may be thinking, what happened between 1969 and 1972? Well, that is when the remains of Bishop Richard Pius Miles himself were unearthed in the basement of St. Mary's Church. That's right, you heard me correct. After his death, the bishop was buried in the church basement. <laughs> So some of these claims have to be valid, right? I mean, this guy did everything to get this church off the ground. He was involved with so many programs within the city. He touched a lot of lives. I would think that this would be a proper burial place for the bishop. But with all that said, could a lot of these reported paranormal activities that have been taking place within the walls of St. Mary's be the doing of Bishop Miles himself? Perhaps he so desperately wanted to still be part of the church that he could not get himself to let go. Therefore, his spirit was still trying to communicate and do as much as he could for the parishioners of St. Mary's. Now, this gets a little crazier, okay? Now, the interesting thing here is when they unearthed the body, it is noted that Bishop Miles' body was incorrupt. What's incorrupt, you say? Incorrupt is defined as not having undergone decomposition, especially that of the human body. So what I'm trying to say here, that for over 100 years, Bishop Miles' body laid under that church basement floor and underwent no signs of decomposition. So in order to stay in that kind of condition through all these years, something tells me that he must have had a little bit of help. And my guess is he was taking Magic Mind. What's Magic Mind, you ask? Well, I'm going to tell you. Magic Mind is the world's first fully optimized blend of adaptogens, neurotropics, and functional mushrooms. Now get this, it has been carefully crafted over 10 plus years with the help of scientific advisory boards. It's a potent little elixir infused with 13 ingredients that all work together to provide a holistic solution for optimized mental health. And I'm telling you, I take it every morning and it works absolute wonders. And if you don't mind, I'm going to list off a couple of the benefits that I'm seeing for myself. First and foremost, what Magic Mind does, it boosts my energy. Gone are the days of me having those coffee crashes, you know, when you have two, three, four cups of coffee, whatever the case may be. Then, I don't know, say by three or four in the afternoon, your body's ready to crash. That doesn't happen here, okay? Not what Magic Mind. Like I said, it boosts your energy, but it also increases your focus. It boosts your memory. And in turn, what does all that do? It decreases your stress. And if you're like me, as you're getting older, listen, I'm going to be 50 very soon. <laughs> and we know with age comes inflammation. Well, get this. Magic Mind also helps decrease inflammation. So the benefits are endless here. But I have one more thing to share with you guys. My friends over at Magic Mind have created a super offer to share with you good people out in podcast land. Get this. 
only this January to help you crush your 2024 goals and stay fully focused throughout the year, Magic Mind is offering you one month for free when you subscribe for three months at magicmind.com forward slash Jan Between. That's J-A-N-B-E-T-W-E-E-N. That's magicmind.com forward slash Jan Between. And you use our code B-E-T-W-E-E-N-2-0. That's between 20. B-E-T-W-E-E-N-2-0. It's an extra 20% off, which gets you up to 75% off. But hurry up, because this offer only lasts until the end of January. Once again, it's magicmind.com forward slash J-A-N-B-E-T-W-E-E-N. And use our code between 20. So give Magic Mind a shot today and take your first shot of Magic Mind tomorrow. But in all seriousness, the fact that there was no signs of decomposition on the bishop's body, I would imagine that upon seeing this body that quite a few of the people that worked on this must have been taken back. Because you would expect at this point in time, 100 years later, that it just be a skeleton, right? Maybe some form of skin remaining on there, but you certainly wouldn't expect the body to have remained intact. So we don't know how this actually happened or what kind of preparation went into the bishop's body upon his burial. But nonetheless, when that body was exhumed, it was noted and documented that there had been no decomposition. So I'm telling you guys, <laughs> something weird is going on here. Something odd is taking place at St. Mary of the Seven Sorrows. But with all that said, and the unearthing of the good bishop's body and subsequent transfer to the tomb, our mystery here might be solved. Because it's noted that since the bishop's body has been relocated from underneath the basement to the tomb, St. Mary's Church has not experienced any paranormal activity. Or at least none that I could find online. But uh, <laughs> putting all that together, the logical guess here would be the one common denominator. I don't believe that St. Mary's was haunted by Union or Confederate soldiers. And I know I said I did before, but now I'm changing my tune because I no longer believe that it was haunted by the priest that was shot and unfortunately died at St. Mary's. It's my belief that St. Mary of the Seven Sorrows Church was home to the spirit of Bishop Richard Miles for more than 100 years. It had to be. It just makes complete sense, doesn't it? The fact that there were all these bizarre encounters leading up until the point where his body was eventually removed from the church basement. Perhaps he still wanted to be part of the church, or perhaps he was not happy being buried under that basement floor. Now he's within the walls of his rightful resting place. And perhaps... Now, Bishop Miles can finally rest in peace. 
what a dramatic ending, huh? <laughs> so, I mean, looking at all this stuff, ah, I believe it. I believe it. I'm, I'm going to put my stamp of approval on this. St. Mary of Seven Sorrows Church in Nashville, Tennessee is indeed haunted. It's an absolutely beautiful church, and if you're down in Nashville, definitely pay to visit. But nonetheless, <laughs> going off of everything that we talked about tonight, I'll say it. St. Mary's Church is indeed haunted. There's just too much of a rich and fascinating history to completely deny the fact that there could be something paranormal taking place within the walls of this lovely church. Or at least there was at one point or another. But with that said, that's it. That is the story of St. Mary of Seven Sorrows Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And I really hope to have Chris back next week because uh, it's, it's very tiresome doing these episodes all by my lonesome. <laughs> but uh, let me give the rundown and I can get out of here for the night. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram at the Between the Cracks podcast. If by chance, you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, please feel free to click on the link in the show notes. So, with all that said, what do you say? So, with all that said, I'm going to wish all of you fine people out in podcast land the fondest. Oh. A fair